So, uh, good morning. My name's Kevin, if you don't know who I am. I'm the, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm the student ministries director here, and uh, that means that we're going to have some fun this morning. Uh, and before we get started, though, I have a story to share with you. And it starts with knowing how many of you have driver's license. Yes, yes, most of you. There's a few, there's a few younger kids with us. That's good. Uh, so, so how many, do you remember what it was like to sit behind the wheel with the DMV person in the passenger seat? <laughs> it was not the easiest or funnest experience, I'm sure. Um, well, though I've always been a good driver, you know, that, uh, well, I'll just start here. I didn't pass my first driver's test. <laughs> No, no, there's this guy, blind corner, not my fault, whatever. <laughs> um, it, so my driving career didn't start that great. But I had this beautiful car that you're going to see. That was kind of like my car. That's the same make and model. Uh, Pontiac 6000, what a name. It's awesome. Um, so like I said, I didn't pass my first driving test. And my first year, I actually got into two different accidents. One, the first one. Uh, a girl in my high school, she was driving her giant Paso truck kind of a thing um, out of the parking lot, and she wasn't paying attention, or she was maybe paying attention to somebody else, a boy probably, football team, I don't know. And she rear-ended me, and I had to get one of those taillights replaced, and it was like 500 bucks for the plastic. I'm like, seriously? So that wasn't my fault. The next one, though... Uh, came when it was one of the big El Nino rainstorms, and I hydroplaned into the back of a little pickup. Fun. Such a great first year of driving. Uh, what do you think, right? But both of these accidents, there's a purpose behind all this, I promise. Both of these accidents happened because both of us drivers weren't looking ahead, necessarily. My dad, when he was teaching me how to drive, he had this great advice that he said over and over and over. The best drivers look as far down the road as they can see or look as far ahead as you can. And to this day, when I follow that advice, especially on the freeway, when you're going at high speeds or whatever, those corners, I take them very gracefully. And those potholes, I can avoid them. And if there's an accident that's coming up, you know, I can see it from far off and make sure that I avoid it. So looking far ahead saves me great pain while driving. But it also is a great thing that we can talk about with our lives. Looking as far ahead as you can is like this idea of having a perspective. You know, and the greater the perspective that we have, the more aware that we are about what's happening around us and maybe even what's happening inside of us with our emotions and our thoughts, the better the chances that we have at avoiding those accidents and potholes that life so readily throws along our path. And that's what our hero today is all about. Um, these past few weeks, we've been in this series called Heroes of the Faith. And two weeks ago, Israel Gonzalez started us off with a great message about Abraham. And he asked us this big question at the end, the question that Abraham had to answer. What do you want? If you were here, you remember that Abraham chose God as the thing, the person that he wanted most, 
not his comfort with his family or his worldly success or anything else. He chose God, and that's why he is a hero of our faith. Last week, Andy Rock talked to us about Elijah, and that story, he said, shows us that we can trust God with all of our fear and even in spite of our fear. After all, God is big enough and good enough to handle anything that we might be fearful of. And today we get to dig into Joseph's story. Um, He's our next hero, like I said. Um, And as you saw in that little video, his story took so many different twists and turns. But my dad's advice in driving, I think, applies in Joseph's story as well. That if we view life from God's perspective, it brings freedom and hope and joy even in the worst of circumstances. Again, if we view life from God's perspective, it brings freedom, hope, and joy, even in the worst of circumstances. So pray with me and we'll dig into our text. Lord, again, I am so humbled to be here. Already, God, you've done so much through this story this morning, and I pray that, again, you would do what only you can do in our lives. So Spirit, make us attentive to your voice. Maybe we'll hear something that I'm not speaking, but you are. God, we need to hear from you today. So would you do your work? We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we are in this uh, story, there's too much to cover. There's 15 chapters of Genesis. And so I had to pick six verses. That's a lot of trimming down, right? But let me give you the background to what the, the little snippet that we're going to look at. And thankfully, you guys actually got the fun sketch video. The other three services, I'm sorry, they didn't get that. Uh, the time we were, anyway. So uh, prior to where we are today, Joseph had some horrible things happened in his life. Though he was his father's favorite son and had this awesome Lego colored coat, (laughs) um, he really made his brothers angry, especially because one of the dreams that he had, he told them about and said, hey guys, one day, I know you're all older, but you're all going to bow down and worship me, the little twerp. (laughs) So of course you would react negatively to that, right? And so I encourage you younger kids who have siblings, don't tell them that they're going to bow down to you someday. It doesn't go over well. So the brothers were so angry that they plotted to kill him and instead beat him up, thankfully, only that, and sold him into slavery. And in Egypt, Joseph was bought by this powerful man as a slave, and he did really well. He eventually became like the vineyard manager in some sense of this giant estate, except there was a desperate housewife. (laughs) And uh, when she didn't get what she wanted, she told the cops a lie and Joseph ended up in prison. He started up really good and his life just kept going farther and farther down. Um, And so during his time in jail, he tried to help a bunch of different people and asked them to remember him as maybe he could get out of prison. Uh, But they always forgot, or they were killed, one or the other. Um, And so he had this horrible, horrible suffering life. Eventually, one of the guys finally remembered, and remembered it at a bad time, though. They brought him in front of Pharaoh and said, Okay, Joseph, if you can't interpret Pharaoh's dream, then 
you're a goner. Uh, so it was a do or die situation, but it was great and he did well, except it was only to be given the responsibility of preparing for seven years of famine for the entire nation of Egypt. <laughs> it just gets weightier and weightier. And so he's had this wild ride of a life. And so that's uh, Pharaoh eventually becoming, like I said, Pharaoh's vice president. So in this passage, we have front row tickets now to a very important turning point in Joseph's story. In this story today, we get to watch Joseph confront his brothers about what they did for the first time in 15 years. And so uh, Genesis 45 verse 3 is where we're beginning. Here's what the Bible says. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. So Joseph, like we said, has lived through this long series of tragedies. Maybe you can relate with him. Maybe you've experienced a lot of suffering in your past. Maybe you're going through something right now. If you can't relate with him, I'm sure there's another character that you can relate with. Maybe Joseph's father, who lost his beloved son. Like him, you know, maybe we're waiting around and hoping beyond all hope that one of our prodigal sons or daughters will come home. Or waiting for that miracle which will, you know, cure our loved one from cancer. Maybe instead you'll relate better with Joseph's brothers who came to Egypt in desperation and anxiety about putting food on their table back home. But there's a famine, so they have nothing to do. Maybe there's a famine somehow in your life and it seems too heavy to deal with. Or on the flip side, maybe you're like Joseph's brothers who in this moment that we're going to look at are overcome by fear and guilt because they're the ones that sold Joseph into slavery. Maybe you and I are overwhelmed with the guilt of hurting someone that we love. Or maybe we just have a really difficult time forgiving ourselves from something in our past. Wherever you are and however you relate, I encourage you to find yourself in this story. And like I prayed, God might show you something different than I have to share with you, but he's there and he's here and he does want to encourage you and show you who he is. So we'll go back to Joseph. If you, like Joseph, came into contact with your worst enemy, someone who tried to kill you, how would you react? You wouldn't want revenge, would you? No, no, you wouldn't want that at all. We just want justice. That's the safer, more godly option. Uh, Yeah, no, let's get real. We probably want revenge. When I was in high school, my younger brother and I, we didn't get along very well. Uh, I was a straight-A student, and he was always in my shadow, just a year or two behind me in school. And I worked really, really hard to get good grades. And he always looked for the easy way out. Very contrasting uh, people back then. And one Christmas, he came up with the best Christmas gift ever for me. Except it's really the worst Christmas gift that I've ever received. And he thought it was so funny. Sad part is, I didn't even realize what it was until, like, he explained it to me. I was just kind of confused. And that's a picture of three of them. Can anybody tell me what they are? 
I heard something. I'm not sure. Uh, so flip to the next picture. They're pocket protectors. Yeah, what a great 50-cent Christmas present, Adam. That's awesome. He said, it's the perfect gift for you, Kevin. It's a pocket protector for the biggest nerd that I know. (laughs) Just what a 16-year-old guy really wants to get for Christmas. So that was over 15 years ago. And I kind of got over it pretty quickly because I was like, "Eh, okay, I don't understand why you're being mean to me. It doesn't matter. But to this day, when I see my brother at Christmas, I mean, even last Christmas, he, he... came up to me and apologized 15 years later for giving me that gift that he thought was so hurtful. His guilt, you know, it's just bugging him. Um, And so no doubt Joseph brothers have even deeper sorrow and guilt over how they treated him as they're approaching this moment in his presence um, here in our story today. So the brothers are terrified They've come hundreds of miles into a foreign land to buy food in the middle of a famine. And the guy they have to deal with is someone they tried to kill. It's the greatest business partner ever. They have no hope. Surely Joseph will want some sort of justice, right? This is a gut-wrenching family reunion. And Joseph is overwhelmed, I'm sure, as are his brothers. They're barely able to keep their emotions inside Um, trembling voices, not able to speak, just trying to even be in this tense moment. But what happens will change their lives forever. In verse 4, Joseph says to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Let me say that in my vision I'm your brother Joseph. Come close to me so I can hit you. <laughs> I just sense this, this deep, uh, well, I put myself in the brother's shoes and I say, uh-uh, no way. I'm not getting anywhere near you. I know what you're going to do. No way. You're the biggest threat in my life right now and you have reason. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get out of this. But they can't. There's guards at the door. They're kind of stuck here. Yet Joseph doesn't take the punch. He does something else entirely. Here's verse 5. Joseph says, And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves. Yeah, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. How is it that Joseph can show this mercy and forgiveness to his brothers? Why isn't he plagued with anger and revenge? It's because he has this bigger perspective, that it was God who sent him. Well, I have this big question, like, really, Joseph? I don't believe you. Stop living the lie and take off your rose-colored glasses. Wake up to reality. You believe that God sent you to hell and back just for this, Joseph? He's the one who removed you from your family. He sold you into slavery. He got you thrown in prison, left you hopeless, and gave you all of this weighty responsibility for the entire nation. This is rough life, man. 
Well, I think Joseph had some time there to think about it. Because after Pharaoh made him leader over Egypt, he had about nine years of good life after all of that. And Joseph can answer, it was God, because he's learned and he's seen about God's perspective. You know, the dark and difficult times of Joseph's life, he, he was brought through them to this place of opportunity for that beautiful moment of being able to save many lives. And he can realize that because he's viewing life through God's perspective and it's brought him freedom and hope and joy. So Joseph has realized that God has brought this amazing good out of this great evil. And God's allowed Joseph this suffering so that he would be in the right place to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and save many lives. And so he has no reason to hold this grudge against his brothers anymore because God's done something amazing with it. But I I just love this. Not only does Joseph have freedom from the animosity and the revenge that he might have wanted against his brothers, he's also free, so free that he's like, hey, you guys need to forgive yourselves. He's free to give them grace. And not just in that emotional sense, but also to offer a place for them to come and live in in great lavishness in Egypt. Not just plain forgiveness, but also to give even more abundant grace. That's amazing perspective. So viewing life through God's perspective brings freedom, hope, and joy. Verse 6 and 7 continues. Joseph says, For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So more than Joseph being given this position of power to save Egypt, Joseph right now when he's interacting with his brothers can think back and remember and trace what God is doing back to this promise that he made to Abraham. God said to Abraham that through him, all nations would be blessed. And Joseph is recognizing that right now in this moment. Not just did God give him this opportunity to help people, but he's making God's promise come true. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Through Joseph... God will keep his promise to Abraham. And this is the point that Joseph really realizes it. God's perspective enabled Joseph to forgive his brothers and allowed him to be the agent of their deliverance from this famine. Like I said, freedom to forgive and hope to be reconciled and reunited with his family and his brothers. That's the power of God's perspective. So did Joseph always have this great, God-like perspective, that God sent him through all this suffering for a reason? What do you think? That day that his brothers threw him into the well, did he really have this perspective? That day that he was sold into slavery, did he really have this big overarching perspective? No. He figured it out as he kept watching God work little by little, day by day, in all sorts of different circumstances. Joseph's perspective came along step by step. 
And in the same way, we might not see God's goodness in our hardships today. It might be many, many years before we look back and see how God used it for good. But he is working towards that end. We have that promise, like it says in Romans. So wherever our circumstances might be, whether God directed them, like in Joseph's case, whether they're just the outcome of our everyday lives, or even the result of our poor decisions, God can redeem any situation and any person. He does this for his glory and our good. And our perspective, said a different way, our trust in God's goodness and sovereignty, that will help us get through those trying times. It will give us a good understanding, a great attitude, and help us make the right choices with our actions. So let's get practical. God probably didn't cause you to get a divorce, if you have. He probably didn't push you to become an addict, if you are. He likely didn't force you to lose your job. He didn't cause you, I mean, he didn't cause your loved one to die at an early age. He didn't make that math test extra hard so that you'd fail it. And he didn't give you that injury that's kept you from playing your sport of choice. Yes, God is sovereign and he allowed those things to happen, but he likely didn't cause it. But what's most important to recognize is that God brings good out of those trying times if we have the perspective and the patience to see it. So verse eight and nine, Joseph finishes with his brothers by saying, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. So come down to me. Don't delay. Not you, but God. That's the perspective. That's why Joseph is a hero of our faith. Not you. You didn't harm me. But God had other plans. That's how he can forgive his brothers and have such joy as he looks forward to the hope of being reunited with his father. Viewing life through God's perspective brings freedom, hope, and joy, even in the worst of circumstances. So for Joseph, suffering through such difficult times produced a God-centered perspective outside of himself. It's like having this 30,000-foot view instead of being on the ground walking through New York Central Park. If you have the big perspective, you can navigate your way forward. Listen, I mean, looking at Joseph's words here, it just amazes me. It's not about where he's come from, except for it's all about what God has brought him through. He says, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. God sent me here to save many lives. It's that bird's eye perspective that he's gained by walking consistently with the Lord. But God, that's the lesson to learn today. 
So maybe we as a church here at Highlands can learn God's perspective in this transitional time that we're in without a head pastor. Yeah, we might be short-staffed and we might feel a little bit disoriented, but God is doing something amazing. And many of us have already seen that. Or maybe it's just something for our lives. You know, maybe we're going through a tragedy. We've lost a child. But God is going to redeem that somehow. Maybe we've lost the ability, like I said, to play a sport. Or maybe a spouse has left us. Maybe a friend has betrayed us. Or maybe we have this deep sense of guilt that we cannot forgive ourselves from. But God will change all of those things if we're just ready to see it and wait on him. God can redeem any situation we face, whether he ordained it or not. And his mercy and forgiveness flows even deeper than Joseph's did for his brothers. Nothing you have ever done is beyond the forgiveness of God. So viewing life through God's perspective brings freedom, hope, and joy, even in the worst of circumstances. So how do we have this perspective? Well, whether we're directionless in life or waiting for an answer or walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even in the joyous times, let's remember who we are, God's beloved children, and remember what he's already brought us through. I bet if we look back, we'll see glimpses of how he's brought us. And then let's dig into his word and learn who he really is. Learn that he is faithful and good and that we can trust him. Let's be reminded that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we can trust and follow him even when we're confused and suffering. And finally, let's look forward to that great hope that we have in store because of Jesus Christ. And that's actually the beauty of this whole story is that Joseph shows us a lot of what Jesus did. For example, Joseph, like Joseph, God sent Jesus to suffer so that he might save many lives, right? And like Joseph and his brothers, Jesus forgives all of those who have hurt him, even those who have hated him to the point of death. And like Joseph, the most trying times, like Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and having his friends betray him and being convicted though he was innocent and being sentenced to the most gruesome death possible, Jesus kept God's perspective at the front of his mind for the glory he endured the cross. I love that verse. And that was his driving force in that, that wonderful picture of him on the cross. And just like Joseph's father, Jacob, received the great news of a resurrection of his beloved son, so we too and the whole world have the joy that comes along with knowing and trusting in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Truly, God is sovereign and he is good. He is faithful to his people and grants mercy upon mercy for he loves each and every one of us. So let's have God's perspective and gain the freedom and the hope and the joy that comes from it. Be confident that God loves you, that he's faithful and good no matter what trial you find yourself in. 
he will never let you go. Keep his perspective in your mind because you are his beloved child. You have nothing to fear. And in those dark moments, remember how he's been faithful to you in the past and press on with trust that God will turn even those situations into great joy in the end. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this story. You are so faithful. God, thank you for Joseph's example that he trusted you through pain and suffering beyond what most of us can imagine. And because of it and through it, God, we have this great example of faith that if we look at life and our circumstances through your eyes, and we can move forward no matter what comes our way. God, I pray that whatever is going on in our lives, Lord, that you would be the one that would remind us of who you are and help us to follow you and trust you so that we might have that perspective and share it with the world around us too. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.